Last week I told you a story about uh, how I saw a person and I was certain I saw them, but they weren't really there. Yeah. And I was convinced I was going insane. Schizophrenic. Something happened this week that really made me worry about my brain. Right, okay. <laughs> okay. So. Tell me about it. You're familiar. Sleep on that sofa. You're familiar with my flat, right? Right. Okay. Now, when you leave the front entrance of my flat, right? Yeah. You got a little path. Yeah. That leads on to the pavement, right? Pavement. What is dead center in the middle of that path? What's dead center? Something dead center. When you get to the end of the path, before it joins on the pavement, there's something there, right in the middle of it. What is it? I don't know. I can't picture it. There's a lamppost. Okay. Right? You can't picture it. Okay? Here's the thing. I've lived here for four months. I only just noticed it on Tuesday. Okay. And when I say it's like dead center in the middle, I mean it's possibly the weirdest place I've ever seen a lamppost positioned. And I I looked at it and I couldn't for the life of me fathom how I've went for four months living here and not once noticed this lamppost and been like, that's in a weird spot. That shouldn't be there. Because it's right. It's like right as you walk out the door. Okay. You walk down the path. And then there's a lamppost. So you have to walk round this lamppost. It's in an inconvenient spot. It's weird. And I have to walk past it every single day. And I only just noticed it. And now I can't see anything else. (laughs) Well, I'll be the same as soon as I leave today. I genuinely, like, I stood and looked at it for like two minutes, like convinced. I was like, no, there's no way that's always been there. I would have noticed that 100%. And I see, and then I messaged my flatmate, and he was like, "I don't fucking know." Like, <laughs> and then my girlfriend came over, and I was like, "Have you seen that?" And she's like, "Well," she's like, "I don't know. I guess I've just never thought about it." And I'm like, "That can't be a co- like. There must be something going on here." So I went on Google Maps, Street View. Yeah. The lamppost there, down. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it was, because yeah. that would have been. <laughs> but how fucking mind blowing would that have been if it hadn't been? I think if it hadn't been. I think I might have woken up from a dream or something at that point. I think that would have been my brain trying to convince me that, like, that's when you there's a glitch up. in the matrix, and then I wake up and I'm like, <laughs> then you have to go out and open it up and see if there's any like surveillance equipment in it. I'm just baffled that my brain, my brain just never picked up on it, not once, not when we were moving in, not the hundreds of times I've had to walk past it, never. Like, Until the other day, something clicked that was like, there's a lamppost there. Not only is there a lamppost there, that's a weird place for there to be a lamppost. Brains do that all the time. They kind of get associated things where I think about it. I mean, think how many times you have to walk around the lamppost. You don't consciously think, oh, I better walk around this lamppost. You just but do it. But this is one that's right at my door. Right at the front door. There's a lamppost. Mm. Right in the middle of the path. Uh, somebody came around to... I'd got pat tests on some of the equipment in my um, flat, and the electrician that came round, he uh, he was like, "Oh, does uh, do you how often do you hear the train sound um, going past your flat?" And I was like, "What train?" And then he was pointing <laughs> it out, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, you can hear the train. I've never noticed it." Yeah, he was like, "How often?" I was like, "I guess often enough that I never even noticed it." And the train's not even that close to my flat, but. It's like close enough that you can hear it when it passes, yeah. but I'd never notice it. Well, Katie's parents have, they have a like an old school cuckoo clock <laughs> in their living room and it ticks and it's so loud. 
and it's constant. You know how many seconds there are in an hour, Danny? Oh, I don't a know. lot, and they I don't stop. They, they, they don't stop. There's no break from those ticks. It's constant, and none of them notice it. And I sit in that living room, and I'm like, that would drive me insane. But none of them notice it. I wonder who is in this situation the real cuckoo clock. <laughs> and it goes off every hour, and it's so loud. <laughs> you don't need, you don't need to have your time kept that loudly. It's <laughs> amazing. You've got phones now, nice and quiet. Um, but anyway, I, yeah, I think I'm losing my goddamn mind. Um, so that's it. I'm seeing lampposts this, everywhere. This so I kept, I kept on Tuesday. I kept walking into rooms and yelling like. <laughs> Oh my god, have you seen the lampos that's in here? <laughs> but deep inside, I was scared. Hmm. This podcast is a good documentation of your decline. I think it is. I think ev- I think it's going to come to the point where every episode I'm going to have a new story about. It's a sad like thing that everyone will go, he was so conscious. So you can listen back to this and you're so conscious. And uh, eventually, <laughs> probably, probably a shout out every so often to the psychologist who's uh, who's, a sci- uh, who's listening to these to try and associate sort of your behavior as you're like wrapped up in a straightjacket. Ah, lamppost, there's a lamppost in this room. Ah. I swear my lamppost, I'm in a cage of lamppost. Uh, it's like if only we had some sort of audio documentary so an over a consistent amount of time that could tell us how where his mental <laughs> breakdown happened. Oh, we did a podcast. Well, now that's my, that's my few days. I've got to listen to this whole thing. <laughs> do you think it's weird that there's just a back catalogue of our opinions on movies since we were what 21 is that <laughs> when we started it not like not the what, what, what have we done this two or three years now Ooh, three we've done three halloween specials yeah but i think we started pretty close on a halloween special so i guess two years something like that of like consistent yeah audio but recording. we've been doing it for a while hmm. It's kind of bizarre, especially because it's not like not interesting to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of exists. It's certainly not. It's documentation. Maybe this could. What if it's the only thing that survives, like an apocalypse, and an alien comes down, and the only thing that they can get hold of is the archive, arch- like archive of second. Opinion. I hope they'd be entertained. Yeah, the aliens. Could yeah. they? But it's not just entertainment. Would they be able to uh, track down the movies to watch them? Well, like if we're like, oh man, no, no, but we should watch the movie. Like we can't. The Earth's destroyed. <laughs> I'm I'm talking about if we're the only sign of like the Earth so destroyed. The second opinion is somehow the only sign that humans were ever here. Would we glean of what what kind of life humanity had when um right just us talking on the well? Podcast. I mean, this is a good representation because everybody has a podcast now, and everybody likes to yell their opinions and we do both those things yeah. so i think it's a good representation of where a humankind is right <laughs> <laughs> quite egocentric if they're like egocentered enough to think that other people would want to hear their opinions they and they certainly don't <laughs> as our stats show <laughs> um so what movie are we uh shouting about into the void today danny well mate you should introduce the show and then uh, what's up people of peopleton welcome to second opinion movie podcast i'm your host danny jones and with me 1400 years old himself scott morrison i thought i was like do i say it or do you <laughs> no it's okay. i am the man from earth it's the only planet i know i know the only one i've been on i know I'm not, well, I'm not well traveled no. when it comes to interstellar would it be interstellar intergalactic um, we'll just start your solar system first. You know, have a walk around your local area. Do you think we'll be on Mars in our lifetime, Danny? Not us personally. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. What a twist that would be. <laughs> the first, uh, the first, uh, 
what the fuck do you call it? Intergalactic podcast? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's why we're the first the first signs of humanity. Maybe. Yeah, because we got our podcast. <laughs> we got we got it out there first. Um Yeah, so we just watched uh a very, very indie movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> very, very indie. Called The Man from Earth. Okay. Which I believe is from two thousand and seven. Or oh, two thousand seven. It's quite recent. Uh, yeah. 2007, yeah. I'd have um, thought just it was I'd have thought it was older for some reason. Is it because it looks like a TV movie, do you think? TV movie as well as low quality and there's kind of like I feel like 2007 had better cameras than the ones they used. But I guess I mean it sounds like to me like it was on a shoestring budget. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of getting the information just now, but um it it ha- it definitely has the aesthetic of a television movie. Like there's a certain look and a certain qual, a certain soundtrack. I feel like that movies that play on Channel Five at around two in the afternoon have, and I feel like this film has that. Yeah, it's also kind of got a sort of vibe of being melodramatic, which yeah. kind of really puts you in like a TV movie sound kind of vibe. Yeah. Um. So okay, so it was made for two hundred thousand pounds dollars. Because it was in the UK, US. Why do I keep getting that confused? <laughs> uh, I actually thought it was Australian, but uh, are you are you, uh, are you like disappointed? It's not from your people. From my people. From your people, the Australians. I'm not Australian. Um, but you you are in charge of all of the Australians. Oh, but we in fucking piss off at that joke. I'm sick of it. Sick of hearing about it. I am my own man, Daniel. If you wanted to do something about the Australian film industry, <laughs> you can pass legislation now. <laughs> um, okay, so we watched uh, we watched a film called The Man from Earth, um, which is a film about. So it's a group of sort of professors, un- professors university yeah. professors, uh, specialists in their field. They've uh, come to uh, John Oldman. Uh, who is decided uh, out of nowhere to leave? He just wants to leave. He's going to abandon his life. He's doing. He's got a good position in the university. He's got. Um, is it? I don't, I've never understand it. Something uh, TV shows always said he's got like potential becoming tenure or something like yeah, that. Yeah, which I, that I think means, means that you get like because that's a life that we'll never understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no one's ever going to say we're going to make tenure. <laughs> <laughs> we try to make regionals every week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm just trying to make the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if only I could make it to the playoffs, then I'd be on the team. Uh, I think it's like a basically a job for life. Like I don't know security. what a playoff is either. <laughs> Who are we playing off? I have no idea. <clears throat> Me, I'm just trying to make it to the battle of the bands. <laughs> one day, Danny. Uh, one day. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so um, he's he's got a good um, potential in this university job, but he's decided just to leave. Akbar, nothing, and uh, everyone comes round to sort of give a uh, a quick surprise, uh, farewell, goodbye party. Um, yeah. Uh, but they're all one eager to know uh, well, why 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 are you leaving though, John? John, why are you leaving us? I just don't understand. John. Uh, John's got a reason. John's got a reason. By golly, does he? He his reason is that he is one thousand four hundred years old. It was fourteen thousand years old actually. Fourteen thousand. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, one thousand four hundred. That's not that impressive. That's not that impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anyone could live one thousand four hundred years. Uh, fourteen thousand years old. And um, he needs to leave every 10 years so that people don't notice he doesn't age. Yeah. Because he's immortal. Yeah. And he was a caveman and he's still alive today. 
and so the whole film is kind of it's almost it's like a it's like a game almost i guess it's like you, you're trying to kind of work out if he is messing with them or he's being deadly serious they're well that's what they're trying to work it's out very anyway. much of that sort of vibe of um safety not guaranteed the film mm. where they investigate a claim um, of like a, a guy who claims he can time travel, and they kind of investigate it, and you're you're kind of going along, going, "Is he can he time travel? Can mm-hmm. he not time travel?" You're trying to figure out whether he's for real or not. Except it's more, it's almost like instead of instead of being in the way that safety not guaranteed's told, where that's kind of you know the quirky indie movie type thing. This is like. The the thing I could compare it to the most, I feel like, is Twelve Angry Men. It's like yeah, because like the idea of him being that old is uh, is the basis for like the intellectual conversations yeah. that lead from it. Because that's the kind, it's almost the perfect setup, and you kind of realize as it starts get, to get going uh, that they've got this scientific um, impossibility of this man living so long, but they've got a, a room of experts mm-hmm. who can try and reason it out and figure out mm. where, and they ask him questions that are more like. Um, that would sort of what's the word is more um, yeah more in, the intellectual yeah. questions questions that are pointed enough to get to very fundamental reasons of how we could live that because long. his friends are he, one's an archaeologist one's an archaeologist one's a biologist one's a psychologist one's a Christian theologist theologist uh, you know they've got the package yeah package the deal. whole deal what was the Dan what was his field Who? which one was he uh, he was the black guy was he not the archaeologist? I thought that was the... Was that the one that... Or was the archaeologist the one that looked, that was trying to be Jeff yeah. Goldblum? <laughs> the guy in a leather jacket, a soul patch. Yeah. Long hair. And he, he keeps kind of like stammering his words and stuff. And he's doing a lot of like fun little moves with his hands. He's also and I was like, he wants shooting. to be Jeff Goldblum. That's exactly what he wants to be. Um, yeah, I, I would I would compare it most to that. In yeah. that it is... It's a, a, trying to either prove or disprove this theory that they're presented with and the kind of discussion that comes from that um and i think it's i think it's an interesting discussion but what do you think about it as a film it's bizarre as a film because i was really drawn into their conversation Mm. it was very very fascinating um it's almost it's almost just a play it's got oh, it li- yeah quite literally it's, it's just, like a, yeah. it's, this would it would totally work as a, just a play um so as a film it's kind of it depends if you're really into that sort of mm. dialogue pseudo play sort of films um there is a kind of i said it before it's kind of, there's some sort of melodrama in it that there's, goes up yeah, and down which again to, i feel like has which, that tv movie vibe yeah like, i don't know if you know this but it's written by um someone called do, 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 Jerome Bix, Bixby, Bixby uh, who apparently had quite a lot of hand in writing a lot of Star Trek and a lot of The Twilight Zone. Okay. Um, so definitely someone who has dabbled a whole lot in was that you? Was that before or after? I guess science fiction. Well, bef- that would have been before all of this. Oh, sad news. He's also dead. Oh. Oh. When did he die? Sorry. Wait, he died in 1998? But what? Final product work so far was this... Sorry. That just blew my mind. I guess I'm it sorry, was... A man... I guess the screenplay was posthumously used for this film. I was about to say, a man who died 10 years before the film he wrote was released. That is a Twilight Zone yeah. episode. Um, 
yeah, he completed the script on his deathbed in April 1998. Okay. Oh. Well, there we go. That's interesting. And then the script was given to Richard... I do not know how to pronounce that name. Schneckman? Uh, who directed the film for $200,000. Okay. Um. So that's quite... So yeah, definitely someone who has dabbled a lot in... You know, Twilight Zone and Star Trek are well known for... Like philosophical Yeah, the philosophical, the hypotheticals and whatnot. Hmm. Um, But instead of kind of with the Twilight Zone and with Star Trek where you're kind of having a lot of show, don't tell. This is very much tell. Dialogue. That's what this film is. Yeah, it's dialogue heavy. It's... I guess it is interesting to listen to this person and decide if you're either going to take his word for it Hmm. or not. Um, but it, it's what it's going for because it wants to be more intellectual. Yeah, it, like well, like not not us in the sense that like show don't tell is not an intellectual, but it wants to be more um, forward with its intellectual. Mm-hmm. Like it wants to be more um, get right into like the very specifics of all the different sort of cat like things that are like arises from a man who's lived that long. Yeah, because I was gonna say like what you just said there about the melodrama, like. The stuff where it's just the the conversations of the hypothetical of if this man lived for a long time and things like how has he interacted with religion, hmm. how has how has his body reacted to the various illnesses that he would have came across throughout the year. You know, he talks about surviving the bubonic plague and things like that. Yeah, the stuff that really doesn't work for me though is the like interpersonal drama stuff. Yeah, the stuff between the group. Um really just could not get into that stuff it no. felt and i think it might just be because of the way it's shot and the way it's acted where it's it's very cheap it never it always felt melodramatic mm. it never felt like you were in the moment being like yeah this it's like makes sense to get riled up about at the end when obviously spoilers for this whole movie at the end when he kind of tries to play it off as oh i've been joking the whole time it's all a joke um just to kind of calm people down they are furious with him yeah and it all seemed a bit like the only character that i i kind of related to in that moment was the that there's a there's a student who's there because i guess she's going out with the jeff goldblum yeah wannabe archaeologist and she's the only one who kind of just has like a very chilled out reaction to it yeah it's just like hey man that was a cool debate well, well, it, makes sense. it doesn't make sense that they all sort of get angry because they all play it as like a um the idea of the the whole the whole all the conversations they have is they're playing it off as like an intellectual um, food for thought. Uh, yeah, I can't think of a better word for that right now. But like a, um, a tennis match. <laughs> yeah, like a like a. Um, well, he did, a task he, he yeah to try and sort of to see how credible John's story is. He says at one point he describes it as like it's critical. Was it thinking. he 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 line, he threw the pitch and they ran the home run? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Dan, um, I can't remember what he's a professor of. I wish I could. Um, he uh, he suggested like he's um, having a critical response to the guy. He he says like, he specifically says I'm not saying I believe it or not. It doesn't matter if I believe it or not. I'm just like critically responding to yeah. what he's saying. Um, yeah, I I thought all that stuff was great, but you have things like the the psychologist character has an incredibly emotional reaction to the the story to the point where he pulls a gun seemingly out of nowhere yeah pulls a gun on john which is such a weird 
Um, cause like, if you've seen any dialogue film where it's kind of just like, it's just people having conversation, conversation, you don't really get that sort of, imagine if like in the before trilogy, someone just whipped out yeah, a well, walk, yeah, was, yeah, like, yeah. got a gun. Uh, cause it's, cause you just don't feel like the conversation has earned escalate. Absolutely not. Because that, especially since that character is the last character we're introduced to. Yeah. All the other characters all kind of show up at once. He comes in maybe ha- half an hour in. He's phoned in because the archaeologist thinks he's like, here, um, John's John's making up this story about being yeah. 14,000 years old. I think Bring your you- gun! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, the thing is, is they, and then they have that conversation and he gets very emotional and he runs out of the room. Hmm. He doesn't shoot him. He runs out of the room and like, oh, what, what's he so upset about? Oh, his, his wife died yesterday. That's very that TV movie. So... It's actually, do you know what? It's even, it's even broader than TV movie. It's very student-y. Yeah. To like oh, yeah. drop something that big. Yeah. Like it, you, you, that's kind of why I, it's weird that this guy, I want to know what Twilight episode, what Twilight Zone episodes and Star Trek he did because there's almost a, um, it's like amateurness to that, which is really bizarre. Yeah. Like just dropping something that big because your, your tone is not, of that if, if you they'd said his wife died a couple of months ago yeah something like you that you would have had yeah. a lot more sort of but yesterday yesterday <laughs> but he just comes in there's and goes, no I've way got, I've got my pipe just start oh well, you got 14,000 years old huh well that's very very interesting I'm yeah gonna that's my what pipe I mean here. there's no way he's showing up and being that blase nonchalant yeah, yeah. You, just acting like it's a normal day and the- it's so bizarre because you could have just easily changed it to a few months and then it would have been a bit more manageable so here's a question given the information we've just learned that the film was written in 1998 and not 2007 and was written by someone who died before they made the film do you think there's an element of they didn't want to change his work because it was posthumous yeah like this was a first draft yeah and yeah maybe um yeah it could be or it could just be i don't know it's just it could have used someone coming along uh, and kept keeping the spirit of it, uh, keeping the spirit of the shit um, script, but like you, you tough in some yeah, of that. Just yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. balance it slightly because um, the ending has a very melon, like very sort of melodramatic ending mm-hmm. to it. It's all so sudden and fast, and it doesn't doesn't like gel with the rest of it. It's like um, the first, ironically, first draft as well of Clerks. Um, which is a very yes. dialogue-heavy film. The first draft of Clerks ends with uh, Dante being shot. Dante being shot. Yeah, which is such a bizarre concept. That for would it. be so out of nowhere. Yeah, um, I always think that. I always think about that. That's that scene because at the end of Clerks, like he throws the, you know, uh, da- da- Dante or what is it? Randall walks out, leans back in, and goes, "You're closed," and throws the shirt at him or throws the thing that says, "You know, we are open." Um, and then the film cuts to black there but it's it's crazy to think that if you just leave that running another 30 seconds the entire tone of the film completely changes yeah yeah like it's an entire different direction and yeah. like it's yeah that's kind of it, what happens in this film and it's funny that like kevin smith uses that as a that was his first like one of his earlier yeah. drafts and this is kind of feels like an earlier draft of a, a a much more a film that could have been a lot more nuanced a lot mm-hmm. more sort of um, yeah, a lot more calmer and yeah. uh, more medita- meditative. Because this film ends on quite the twist. Yeah, because like, so he he's having this conversation, and then the psychologist—I can't remember his name—is it? 
I'm trying tra- oh, to... I don't remember any of their names. The... All I remember is John. <laughs> um, the psychologist doctor, he, he Who is... He is, a, he is in office space. Uh, is he in office yeah, space? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought I did He's recognize him. He's the guy that... that uh, is he gets hit... He gets in the car accident, backing out of the driveway. Okay. And he ends up in the neck brace, and he makes the jump to conclusions, Matt. I don't know if you remember <laughs> any of that. It's been a while since I've seen Office Space, but that does really... Such a good movie. Film. Would strongly recommend that to anyone who's listening and hasn't seen it or heard of it. A great <laughs> film to, to check out. Um, But, like... um. I've never worked in an office, and I relate to it so strongly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I still get what they're talking about. Yeah. Um... But he, uh, he, the psychologist decides like to um, to threaten to get him uh, to get John sectioned, mm. to like get hit, like to get serious about this, and that's when John backs um, backtracks. Is like, oh no, I was joking, guys. Like um, you sort of uh, like I I planted the idea and you guys ran with it, and I just wanted to see how far you took it. Did you believe that for a second at all? No. Like the idea that it could just be that he's trying to create I this think mind game if amongst. The film hadn't dabbled in melodrama till then yeah. i might have gone maybe they'll leave it on a sort of ambiguous note where you are you would come out of it and you go i don't know if i believed it or not and people could you could have conversations with people who've seen the film like, did you believe it i'm not sure if i believed yeah. it um but uh he backs off and he's like oh no, i was lying the whole time and then everybody leave, uh, everybody gets a bit angry and uh, then everyone calms down and decides to leave and uh, he's having a conversation with the girl, woman. The John is having a conversation with the woman that um, kind of fancies him, mm-hmm. and uh, they're talking about. They're being a bit more frank. She still thinks it's true, and like, wow, your f- name's John Good, uh, John John Goodman, John Oldman. Like, is is all of your fake names a pun? Because you're an old man. Yeah. Uh, and then he starts talking about in the 1960s he uh, went by a different name and stuff like that. And the psychologist kind of is walking up behind him, and not not aware. And then suddenly he panics because he's like, he figures out that it's John his... Oldman's his dad. Yeah, that's the twist. Because the, the name he says is the name of his dad, and they would have had him in the 60s. Yeah, and, and it was a lo- specific location. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. But and it was also the dog. He remembered the name of the dog and the name of the mother. And then, so there's this big, huge reveal, and we're like, "Oh shit, this is fucking weird." And then, the the psycho- the psychologist is so taken aback by it, he has a heart attack and dies. <laughs> that's and that's how like the movie ends. Like they kind of have yeah. that moment, and then I guess I kind of like the 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 sentimentality of he's driving, you know, because there'd been the kind of through line that this girl that this other professor was in love with him and he was like well we can't be together because i'm like a fourteen thousand year old man and that would be weird and i have to leave a lot um but then you know he kind of is driving away and then he stops the car and she runs after the car presumably because he's like you know what life's too bloody you gotta take love where life's you can not get too it short, Scott. life certainly is not too short you gotta not take your 14 you know because they talk old. about it earlier like you gotta take love not take love where you can get it but you know she she says that there's a scene in the movie where they have a conversation about it and she's like well you know what so what if there's all these things like i found love and this is what i want and so it's the mm. kind of nice that he accepts that he realizes he doesn't have to keep running from it and it'll just be what it'll be and that's a nice ending yeah but it just comes right after a man has a heart attack <laughs> it's only because like he his son not even like just a man like his son has a heart attack it's, it is so 
out of nowhere and you, you again feels very first draft because you're like i don't feel like anybody quite worked out what like what this ending was supposed to be yeah like it's because it's almost ill it feels especially because it feels like weird at the end that like so they're having this farewell party and he wasn't close with the psychologist so i guess he knew the psychologist was his son the whole time mm. so he wasn't close enough with him that he would come along you'd think he'd be close with his yeah. son uh, also his wife the the son's wife died the day before and he wasn't that close with the psychologist to have known that yeah you'd think if he was your son you would want to know stuff like that and see him often enough like you'd think he would uh, eventually have um, known that his wife had cancer because you'd be close with him yeah so it feels like uh, in terms of script when he was writing it throughout the whole film they weren't father and son and then at the end they were they like he, he wasn't able to go back and then rewrite sort of subtle hints into it yeah they needed that last kind of sci-fi element to it to wrap it up on yeah and it's and again instead of that sort of nuanced ending where you're like oh maybe he was talking shite maybe it wasn't it like no it's un, un, unambiguously he was 14,000 years old so do you think like this would have worked better in the hands of a more maybe I, I want to say established director but at the same time I don't know who this man is this yeah man. let's give him um, a little Richard Schneck Schneckman. Um, he's also cre- credited under the name George Axmith. This boy gets around. Yeah. Uh, filmography as director. I have heard of none of those movies. So yeah. So I guess so. Low. Abraham Lincoln versus Zombies, which was a straight to DVD movie in 2012. Uh that would have been the one that probably he directed they made. that. Abraham Lincoln versus Zombies. Yeah, versus Zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Not vampires. I know. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I understand. It's like the Asylum knockoff. Yeah. Um, but that's just such a weird difference. <laughs> Here's something I'm going to hit you with, though, Danny. Are you? I'm ready. Do you want to know what else he's the director of? Go on. From 2018, The Man from Earth, Holocene. What? Also known as The Man from Earth 2. Just learned this right now. This is fresh information. It's a sequel. Is it the same actor? Uh, It is a a sequel to the 2007 film The Man from Earth. David Lee Smith returns as John Oldman, the protagonist. Film was uploaded to the Pirate Bay (gasps) on January 16th, 2018 by the creators themselves for completely legal download. That's so exciting! Oh my goodness. (laughs) Are we doing this next week? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Next episode, I think we have to do this. I mean, we have to do this at some point, right? What? There's a <laughs> what the hell? To this melancholy TV movie from the '90s vibe. There's a sequel. That's crazy. Yeah, the film was uploaded to Pirate Bay on January 16, 2018, by the creators themselves for completely legal download. Other partners included Movie Saints. Fans can see the movie, but they will get a full refund. Okay, none of that's important. Uh. The ver- there's a version on Vimeo which includes an opening greeting from Schneckman. Oh, I want to see that. In well, which he yeah. asks for donations from people who enjoyed the film. That's crazy. That's crazy. I what? They that that's crazy. It's the most exciting thing to have ever happened. The plot focuses on John Oldman now calling himself John Young. Classic. <laughs> Did, was that a first draft maybe? <laughs> uh, who has survived for more than four? However, despite all these years of mortal immortality, John has found that he has begun to age 
and he no longer heals as quickly as he used to. Meanwhile, four of his students have begun to suspect the truth about him and contact Art Jenkins, whose career fell apart after publishing a book about John's story. Which character was Art Jenkins? Who was Art Jenkins? Oh. There was Harry, Dan. Oh, it's the fucking Jeff Goldblum guy. (laughs) So he's, he's starting to... He's starting to age, and he's not healing as fast. Do you know what that means? What does that mean? This is a Logan sequel. This might very well be, yeah. This is he's losing Logan his powers. A man from Earth. What are the odds that he would start to lose his powers like 10 years after yeah, he told uh, like, like people? So he can naturally age like the actor has. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but do you think this... Do you think this could have... This would have been better in the hands of someone who was more... Season capable, yeah, I guess. Um, because I really do think I think I think this would have been at least for me a lot better if there was a better kind of production value to yeah. it, and if like the acting was just less melodramatic and the the camera work was a little bit more interesting because mm. it is, and the it's like it, the, the 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 dialogue is really interesting. And that does keep you distracted, I think, from the fact that the film is really boring to look at. Yeah, it's also technically like technically all over it's the atrocious. Place. Yeah, there's like grainy footage. There's it's lighting, lighting is like mental com- inconsistencies. Sometimes in lighting, their like faces are, and lips are just yellow. Just yeah, because the lighting yeah, is yeah, so yeah. weird. Presumably, yeah, they've like messed up with settings on the camera and stuff at some yeah. point as well. It's just not. And there's a lot that feels ADR'd. Like oh yeah, lot, oh, especially uh, pretty much anything outside is definitely yeah, like hard. voiced over later. Like it, it's a lot of technical problems. Because um, I imagine that this. California desert is pretty, uh, it's pretty noisy. <laughs> <laughs> um, sounds like a, a western song. <laughs> Californian desert's pretty noisy. Um, this is my favorite Eagles song. <laughs> it's a good Eagles song. Actually, I forgot about them. Eagles doing them songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like they did do them. It, it almost feels like a a, a first time director. Uh, and it would be like as a first-time director film, it'd be really, really impressive. It does. It feels like something that maybe someone we went to uni with has managed to scrape yeah. together some money, and is is this is you know their their project that they yeah. put together. Might be really, really impressive. Um, it's yeah, it's just um, it would be interesting to. I I was even thinking of while we we're watching it, be like this would be an interesting film to remake, mm-hmm. and then maybe like yeah, I was thinking about that the whole get way like a, a like a an interesting director, and then like get like some interesting actors yeah. who are like would, would be up for like a more smaller role off against each other um, especially people who can handle that or you know every, every but like people who are known for being good at dealing with like a like large amount i'd of say people that are well known for theater and stuff yeah yeah let's like get some theater people in i think it'd be really really interesting and very very fucking get actual jeff goldblum <laughs> <laughs> you would do it yeah um that would be actually That'd be brilliant. That'd be stunning. That'd be brilliant. Uh, It would be um, interesting to remake it. Um, But then that's kind of interesting about the sequel. Like, Mm. what what does he bring to... Does he... Does there's a bit more nuance? Does there a bit more um, care taken to, like, the story? I would wonder... Yeah, I'm even... I'm just curious even to know if on a technical aspect it's improved in any way. You know, I mean, he directed Abraham Lincoln versus Zombies. Yeah, yeah. He must know what he's he's doing. (laughs) That's amazing that he's directed i wonder how this even got kind of how it blew up like how it got discovered yeah this film like i don't know where you would see it Mm. 
it definitely doesn't feel like one that could even make it to cinema. Do you think maybe the like the reason they put it out on Pirate Bay is because this new one is because that must just be how people found this one? Yeah. Maybe because But how do you find it in the first place? That's what I mean. Like how do you hear about this movie? Yeah. I just don't know. Like initially, back in two thousand seven. I get I get it. like it yeah. Passed around. I don't know, I guess guess there's some like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a very strange his path for a film to have mm. taken, because it's not like good enough to be like, "Hey guys, you see this like um, small indie film that this guy made for two hundred thousand? It's fucking amazing. You should watch yeah. it. Like it's life changing. Because it's like it it there's it's good. It's really enjoyable film to watch. But there's a lot that, as I say, as we've said, melodramatic yeah. and all stuff like that. It's like really really bizarre about it. That just made it really hard. I think. Just every time I started to get into it. Because I really love the... Like, did you like the kind of... When they fire questions at him about history, he has, like, genuine kind of... Or, like, he... he especially when they talk about religion. Because there, there kind of becomes this point where he sort of admits that he is, he is Jesus or he was the inspiration for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but he tells it in a way of, like, he was someone who studied Buddhism. Oh, no, he, he studied... With Buddha, Buddha. yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Which is a gripe I have. I'll bring that up in a second. But, and that, you know, the idea that he was just this guy who tried to take that and introduce it, you know, to, like, another part of the world. Yeah. And it just didn't... It wasn't interpreted the way he meant it to, and they took it his own way. And I thought, like, things like that was kind of interesting yeah like the idea that that could potentially be the kind of thing that happened and that things like jesus and his life were kind of fictionalized to give context to what was otherwise a true story Hmm. you know what i mean i thought that was kind of interesting yeah but something i found also hard to kind of get on board with is the uh, like quite early on he talks about how you know Oh, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't know that much about history because I'm just one man and it's all from my perspective, you know, one man's perspective. But this is a man who hung out with Buddha, who hung out with Vincent van Gogh, mm. uh, who was Jesus, who sailed, who <laughs> sailed with Christopher Columbus. Yes. Like, what are the odds that you're ending up with all you know, these? I'm just one man. It's just my, but you're ending up in all these massive, like, influential moments in time yeah and we're just supposed to be like oh but you're just a man you know what i mean i found that hard to get on board with as well but i guess it's all to build on the hypotheticals and stuff you know yeah it's very because you you take what's he's like it's trying to make it very realistic even like stuff like memory he kind of equates it to like how it we remember stuff mm-hmm. like the, the the theologist tries to um question him like where were you on 1292 like what what that were you doing in that year and he was like what were you doing this time this yeah. day last year like you they didn't you... have time hop in 2007 <laughs> they certainly didn't we don't have time hop in 2018 really does anyone i don't anymore no, nobody me, does it made me sad um <laughs> So like they try to like try and make this sort of layer layer of realism. To yeah. It. Um. But then he's buddying with Buddha. Buddha. Yeah, that's it. Buddying with Buddha. <laughs> my favorite. So cop, close. My favorite cop drama. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was things like that. I really just found hard to accept. But 
you do kind of have to go along with those it's, it's, for the conversation to keep building. There's like a Doctor Who vibe to that because Doctor Who had those does them as jokes. Yeah, like um, oh, I was Queen Elizabeth can't go by that name anymore. Yeah. Um, and you're like, oh, banter. He's met Queen Elizabeth because he's a time traveling alien. But this one, it's like it's deadly serious. No, no, yeah. I, I study with Buddha. Buddha. <laughs> it's like you, like, because that's the thing. Is like, okay, you live for. He's lived for 14,000 years, but there doesn't seem to be anything special about the way he presents himself, you know what I mean? Yeah. So how's he ended up in all these situations where he's getting to sail with Columbus and study with Buddha and be Jesus? Alright, why isn't he up there, like, doing something with a famous person right now? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm... Yeah, but now he's just hanging out in this house in (laughs) California where he's like a uni lecturer i don't know it just seems a bit hard to buy into yeah which is kind of what you want for this sort of yeah you want it to be a little especially because when they were when they were say hinting that he was like involved with like a um the bible and he, he was a biblical figure and they're like oh which biblical figure were you i was i was hmm. expecting maybe one of the 12 disciples yes, yeah i thought the same but then they they just went for it, it. it's like no i'm jesus it's like i'm not sure if i should tell you um fine whatever i'm actually jesus yep yeah yep i'm jesus that was where it was kind of starting to get like this is getting silly but also i yeah i don't know it was interesting but, but then it again was... you're it's all on it's all blown out of proportion by more melodrama like the religious yeah. theorist really like she does not take out. kindly to it and she freaks out she's like, this is sacrilege and you're like it's shut up like they're trying to have a conversation it's amazing because the conversation moves on and they start talking about other things and she just suddenly goes you're not jesus you're not jesus <laughs> she does it twice and she's so angry you're not jesus it's like clearly she's been on her mind the whole time she's like, yeah like, she's not even started to move on she's like you're not Jesus. Yeah. It's just plagued by all that kind of stuff and it just made it harder to buy into. The scene I also found very bizarre was when the movers come. Yeah. The movers come. There's He's getting his furniture taken away and they show up and they start moving his furniture like these two normal guys who don't say anything but they're still having the conversation. And they must have been like, the fuck? fuck are these guys talking about right. yeah because i'm trying to think they were saying something very specific at that time I think at that were... point he's talking about uh what does a day feel like to you hmm. because he's like oh that you know time feels quicker the older you get so what you've been alive for fourteen thousand years what does a day or an hour or a year, like year or 10 years feel like to you that's what they're talking about as these two random dudes are just like <laughs> moving furniture out of their house yeah, there's a couple of times they say, uh, it's been a while since I've sat on the ground, and they're not. They're just sat on seats. Yeah. And that's that's weird. Yeah. That's just a small point, but it's really weird. They also bought a lot of beer, and they don't drink much of it. They bought whiskey as well. Yeah, they brought whiskey as well, but yeah. you don't see them drink. They, brought, like, they had like three crates of beer <laughs> when they show up at the start of the movie, and I think you see like one guy having Not a beer. every film can be drinking, buddy, Scott. Trick buddies, look. That wasn't what I was trying to get. At. Do you think like, this would have been a better like, what film? What a waste! Do you think this would have been a better film if it was Bumblecore? I'm just thinking, this is the kind of conversation that would have went down well if they were all stoned out of their fucking minds. <laughs> like, yeah. Then you could have skipped all the melodrama, and they could have just be like, "Whoa, <laughs> that's heavy, dude." Yeah. Um, I don't. 
I don't know what more I have to say on it, to be honest. It it seems to... I was having a look at the, the, the reviews and stuff, and it seems to have, like, a really positive reception and a really big kind of cult following to it. Okay. And I was watching it, and I was I was thinking, I just... I don't know. I Maybe it just didn't grasp me yeah, we've said the problem, as much as other like, kind of films like this do. The conversations but... do draw you in sometimes. Mm. But then it's just this melodrama. As you said, we keep saying, it's this melodrama that comes and takes you out. And then there's the technical stuff that sort of takes you out. Mm. And, you know, um, there's sometimes they're talking and I'm just thinking, why Why is this shot green? And when they shoot, uh, they, they cut to the other person, they're purple. Yeah. Like it's distracting. But I, I can see why people get engaged by it, but, but not enough to like follow it. Yeah. Not have to demand a sequel. Because it is an interesting conversation, but it's silly at the same time. Yeah. And it's not... It the way it's all presented. It also doesn't feel like it's got much um, philosophical depth It's not. It's not. It's quite surface There's level. There's no... For these sort of... Yeah. The surface level is why I would use this. There's no sort of like deeper sort of mm-hmm. meditation on what like that that sort of humor may be. There's kind the of... Most the most it gets to, I thought, was when he talks about do you feel any kind of survivor's guilt? Yeah, I that I thought was interesting. But they don't. But really, then again, yeah. underplayed by he pulls a gun out of nowhere and he's like, "If I was to shoot you right now, it's like where where's this coming from? Who is this guy? Where did he get that gun? Oh, his wife died yesterday. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, and he's also your son. Wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. The dog was called Wolfie. <laughs> what a great pup. Yeah. Oh, that's what this movie was missing. Good Wolfie. dog. Guitar dog. Uh, yeah, it could have done us something a bit more, but especially because so many things have like touched on the idea of like immortality and mm. stuff. Oh, Doctor Who does like. There's some great episodes of Doctor yeah, Who yeah. where they like they um, talk about what it kind of means to be like immortal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd think of a film that's trying to be this sort of quieter film and conversation book, especially with a room full of like um, specialists in their field. It's the best time to be more. Yeah, philosophical about it all. Do you think maybe the writer just because he's not a specialist in all their fields, presumably, that the conversation maybe just isn't as in depth as it could be? Because like he's just one guy writing from his. I feel like the writer's more engaged in coming up with a plausible story of why this guy's uh, lived for fourteen thousand years mm. than uh, having anything to say on it. Because mm. I was kind of thinking about it. You know what else it reminded me of? It reminded me a lot of Primer. Remember Primer? Yeah, in what sense? Just in that sense, that kind of like low, low budget sci-fi film okay. element with where it's kind of just two guys in a kind of enclosed environment. And I guess but this is more of a debate film and Primer is more... Yeah, let's say Primer feels... You very much feel was, when you watch Primer, you are watching people who understand science. But the, I was going to say this is, yeah, that's the thing. Is something interesting about Primer is that it's also about two experts in their field. Hmm. And the director of the writer and director of Primer, he went and just was basically a fly on the wall with scientists for like two, three years while he was writing the movie. So he could learn how they talk, how they interact with one another, and the kind of language they use. And so because of that, when you watch Primer, you are watching scientists have conversation. Yeah. And if you... The, the, the whole kind of thing with Primer is like you need to keep up with it and it's very difficult sometimes because we are not Primer's an intense film yeah but like you need to keep up 
with what they're talking about. Whereas with this, you have these experts in all their fields, but they're, it's all just very... It doesn't feel like anything that your average Joe wouldn't be able yeah. to say, which I think is reflected by the fact that there's a student in the room who is kind of able to ask questions and keep up with the debate as much as any of them. You know what yeah. I mean? Which, again, makes it feel very surface level and very just... Very sort of high school mm. like levels of their topic. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Like they could could have easily been like getting actual experts in to sort of debate the various sides. Again, of this. it just I don't think you need I don't think you need more. So I just think I just think writing wise, it just needed more work. Hmm. And I think the script feels dated. It, I mean, hearing that it's written in 1998, I feel like that's a little bit eye-opening. Nice. It does feel old. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't. I feel like the more we're talking about it, the less I'm seeing the magic that other people uh, seem to be. Yeah, but I, I do it. hold on to the fact that while I was watching it, I was engaged in uh, mm, the conversation. Mm, definitely. More just because I was interested to see where they were going, yeah. where it was going to go. Um, not that I thought it was going to go anywhere dramatic, you know. It's not. It's definitely not that kind of movie. But just curious what the conclusion with all the characters was going to be. Mm. But I guess now we can kind of get that with this sequel. I'm excited. It came out this year. <laughs> I'm so excited. We need to watch it, even if we just watch it in our free time. We definitely need to. Yeah, we definitely need to watch it. Um, I don't know if I have. Do you have anything else you want to say about this one? No. No. You feeling? pretty good would you live for fourteen thousand years would i given the choice i'm terrified of dying danny so it'd be existentiality is yeah. it? yes um i don't know i'd maybe i'd, I'd live a good couple couple of hundo <laughs> the couple of hundo is what you've got to at least do you know yeah it's like backpacking around europe everybody's got to do it once in their life a couple of hundo was that true what the character said about how the human body can be built to withstand 190 years but it's just that we poison ourselves basically i don't think it's just we poison ourselves i reckon there's like yeah, there's environmental stuff yeah. as well so maybe Hit by a bus i remember i feel like i read something crashed into by plane <laughs> yeah that's the environment tornado <laughs> um i remember reading somewhere that um the brain is able to like would be able to record 300 years worth of like memories mm-hmm. um before it would eventually just give out. I don't know. Mate, the body, human body, probably does have. It's got the capacity. Yeah, a lot of the capacity. We just haven't yeah. figured out how to stop everything. Well, there's the people that are talking about like you could, if you could stop aging, then people could live thousands, thousands mm-hmm. years. Aging is like the thing that um, is the reason most people die. Yeah. In some some form or the other. Yeah, I look at. I walk down the street and I see old people. And, and then you throw them in front of a bus. They're really slow, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to get. That looks like a nightmare, doesn't it? <laughs> when you just got to get somewhere, but you just like your, you just your body's just like can't handle. That was just you just you just trudging along, and I'm like, oh, imagine how long it would take me to walk from my work to here if I was old. Yeah. <laughs> right now I'm a spry young buck. Yeah. Takes me twenty minutes. You run a marathon every day. Every day. Yeah, and it still takes you 20 minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I would say check 
I, or don't I don't know if I don't think it I just don't think it's for me if the premise intrigues you enough like I'm talking about a man who's been alive for 14,000 years even then like as I say I feel like other things have done it more because I feel like 14,000 years is enough for a man to go insane mm. like immortality would drive him insane whereas John Oldman feels like quite a a level headed guy yeah he does he just feels like a young dude yeah um, so it'd be I feel like there's a it's lot not until more. they set him in front of a fire and he pulls out speakers and puts on dramatic music <laughs> while he's talking about the fact that he's Jesus. <laughs> there starts to feel like there's some gravitas to him. Aye. Um, so I feel like there's there's even other things that have done this in mm. more interesting ways. But yeah, I guess. I guess check it out. Check it out if you if it intrigues you enough. Yeah, you could get it on, on Pirate Bay apparently. So. <laughs> Um, cool. Where can people find us, Danny? They can find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, at Second Opinion, at Second with a Two. Loving it. You're in charge of the Twitter? Yeah, I'm in charge of Twitter. I'm in charge of the Facebook. Facebook. The times we're having. So much. When are we going to get Tumblr? Mm. When are we going to get a Flickr account or a Pixel mm. account? A LinkedIn account's my next one. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get a farmer's only profile for our podcast. I want to get that one that's basically just a social app for bank transactions. I'll get that one. You want us to get a page on the RBS app? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like um, us on the RBS app. Cool. With that, uh, yeah, we'll leave you to it. Enjoy JK Enjoy Simmons. Enjoy JK Simmons, everyone. Have a lovely night. Bye. Or day. I don't know. Listen to it when you like. Do what you like. You still recording? I'm still recording. <laughs>